All right. We are live. Hey, hey everybody. Hey. <laughs> Wait, Chris, can we see the screen? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> we're, Let's we're, just... we're still rolling with it. I'm just going to, you know, actually share the screen with you guys now. Um, it's been it's been a it's been an interesting day. Uh, there we go. And you should be able to hear the audio as well. Can you hear the... Yay, there we go. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Feel those tunes. Feel that jive hit you. That early summer vibe. Let's go. Early summer vibe with exactly the same uh, introductory theme song we've been using since like the second (laughs) episode. Um, Which, what, we're on like number nine right now? Is that what we decided? Or is it ten? Ten. Ten Ten. episodes in. All right. We are ten episodes in, going strong. On to the third episode of uh, the second season, uh, yep. because an incredible amount of things have happened in the first two episodes. Um, but yeah, in, back in the real world, we just got the announcement that Eli Brode has passed away. Uh, yet another billionaire we can scratch off that list uh, here <laughs> in Los Angeles for one reason or another. Uh, you know, some of them relocate themselves to Texas, others of them... Uh, pass away at the age of what 87 or something like that um, I believe I noticed, it was 87 yes yeah there's a there's a bunch of uh, very fun tweets going up right now about all of that situation so uh, hope everybody's enjoying uh, the Twitter situation anyway uh, not to dwell on a slightly on a, on a, on a slightly uh, less celebratory death uh, <laughs> the pilot of Apollo 11 Michael Collins passed away yeah. at the age of 90. Uh, famously, when Buzz Aldrin asked him what he should say for his first words on the moon, he said, if you have any balls, you should just say, oh, my God, what the hell is that? And then cut your mic. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's honestly one of my one of my favorite things. Yeah. Oh, that would have been amazing. That would have been absolutely amazing. Too bad it didn't happen. But man. And, and a- just to just to make you feel worse about yourself, this guy was apparently doing triathlons up until his 80s. So, you know, wow. those people exist. Yeah, I am. I am just an inadequate man. I mean, the the big thing about that whole situation with Michael Collins is like he often gets forgotten as like for what his role was on that mission. But literally, he was the only reason. Like, without him, the mission couldn't have gone forward. Without him, Buzz Aldrin and uh, Neil Armstrong would not have had a way back to Earth. Uh, like, it's a relatively thankless job. Um, you know, doesn't get to bask in quite as much of the glory, but. Uh, he did get to take some absolutely s- astounding pictures, which when you take a look at him and you realize like there's there's one of them where he took it, where he was on the far side of the moon, out of radio contact from literally everyone. And the, the phrasing, I th- believe the way that they phrased it was that every single person who has ever lived uh, in all of history was on the other side of that lens. And that yep. really kind of puts everything into perspective in, in a truly mm-hmm. uh, breathtaking way. But... Um, that aside, uh, I don't think there's been that too much space news going on, uh, outside. Of oh, they also, Collins. no, they also, they figured out how, how thin the skin is on a neutron star. A neutron star is oh, when really? you have a, a, a decent sized star, like not a super tiny star, not a super massive star, like a, a about a sun sized star from what I understand. When it finally runs out of fuel and collapses, it kind of like novas or whatever and turns into basically a luminous, fast rotating ball of lead yeah. with this like super thin skin over the top of it. And this is where we get fast radio bursts and other like weird x-ray bursts and stuff from, from throughout the galaxy. Uh, Cause they tend to rotate really, really quickly from those all the, are, the excess are energy. Pulsars. 
stars, right? But pulsars, pulsars are neutrons. They're yeah. they're a type of neutron star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So not all neutrons become pulsars, yes. but all pulsars are neutrons. But uh, a neutron star has a, a very thin skin. It's it's basically a couple of atoms thick, um, that's just kind of held on there very tight. So if you were wondering, just for shits and giggles, how thick the skin of a neutron star is. Now we know, and it's it's not very thick at all. You can you can go to bed knowing knowing we finally solved that one. Every time Bushido pulls one of these articles, I always feel like they're about to pivot toward. So hey, Chris, explain to us what all of this means. I always just feel like it's the most complicated space shit. And then oh hey, Chris, I didn't tell you anything about this, but why don't you explain to us what it means? Here's the setup. Go run with it. Well, that one that one Chris doesn't have to explain, but what nope. he does have to explain explain is oh, why no. NASA's getting sued for giving SpaceX a contract. No, I'm just kidding. We Wait, don't actually need to talk about that. That's yeah, apparently uh, Blue Origin and whoever else is suing over the, the person lander or whatever for the oh, Mars mission. So Maybe it has something to do with the fact that Blue Origin hasn't done shit. Um, just gonna throw it out there. You know, Blue Origin, cool. You've landed your thing a couple of times. It is so tiny, and it's never been to oh, actual space. Oh, no. Chris, this one actually, you know, this one, this will be the last one I do, but this one oh. actually, this one is in your wheelhouse. Uh -oh. um, so China just is starting to build their own space oh, station. yeah, because, I, I, I just saw yeah. And that. so their, their booster uh, wasn't supposed to make it to suborbital uh, distance, but it did. And now it's just falling back to Earth in an uncontrolled dive. And is that good <laughs> or bad, Chris? Um, it's probably it's probably largely irrelevant. Um, it's it's most of the time when things get put up there in and they're they're you know suborbital means that it doesn't have the energy uh, to continue in an orbital pattern, right? It's going to fall down. So normally, what you'll do with those like a, anything that's t typically suborbital launches, you'll go up, you'll like brush up through space above uh, the, I believe it's the Kármán line, the 100 kilometers up, um, and then you'll experience zero-G as you just, or microgravity more specifically, uh, more accurately, rather. And you'll okay. kind of, like, tumble around. This is this is the whole uh, gimmick behind uh, Virgin Galactic and their their uh, space tourism rides, right, is you go mm -hmm. up and you're on a suborbital booster, and then you they let you go free a la the vomit comet from NASA. Yeah. Um, but instead of it being a 737 that's just flying in a parabolic uh, series of arcs, uh, you're actually flying in a suborbital trajectory. Uh, and that whole time when the engine is off and you're now just kind of coasting and then falling, everything is moving at the same speed relative to everything else inside. And the only thing that's making it move is gravity, which means that everything is effectively relatively weightless. So mm -hmm. uh, super cool. It means that you can float around and be like, I'm in space and then uh, come back down to earth. And uh, so everything just kind of comes back. But if you don't have like an aero surface for controlling that uh, things get very hot uh, very quickly and they tend to break up and scatter. Uh, the only time that things really come back in any substantial pieces are, I believe it was Skylab is yep. the one that famously came back and a whole bunch of chunks of Skylab landed in the middle of the outback. Um, mm -hmm. Didn't land on anybody, thankfully, but basically a bunch of chunks of a the first space station, I believe it was the first space station, came raining back down on Earth when they, uh, when they finally uh, fell from orbit. Uh, so I wouldn't worry too much about a single booster like that. Uh, they're very thin-skinned um, 
designs. That's the nature of a rocket is it weighs very little and it's very easy to destroy. Uh, that's well, it's, why it's they're so dangerous to Apparently ride. 21 metric tons dry weight. So it, that's it's 21 metric tons, but it's spread over a very large surface area. Because what happens with all of these, you know, any rocket, like the engines might come back as a thing, parts of them anyway, but like the tanks aren't. The tanks are going to be gone completely. Like they'll, if they do come but, back, they're going to flutter down like a leaf. But so, but as somebody who worked in like space stuff, obviously yeah. you weren't like orbital mechanics or anything no. like that. It wasn't. It was. It's not like best practices. No. To send <laughs> this up and then let it just tumble back to Earth, right? That's no, not generally how y'all plan this stuff. I, ideally, the booster is supposed to be deorbited in a controlled way so that it will burn up uh, as it's coming back. Uh, you don't want it to just kind of mm -hmm. like float back on its own. Um, we we did have one of the one of the Falcon Nine rockets, one of the first ones that went up. Actually, it might have been the first one that went up. Um, something went wrong on it and it got locked into a spiral mode and it was venting fuel in uh, a very slow, graceful arc pattern. And what happened was it, it was launched at the appropriate time of day to be coming over the horizon in Australia in the early morning hours as the sun was also coming up. So it ended up catching the light of the sun well above uh, the, you know, the horizon uh, very much in the same way you remember, you know, what was that like five, five, six years ago, um, when there was a, a a SpaceX launch out of Vandenberg and it looked like the aliens were invading or that something had exploded in space. Um, that's actually just the propellant like cloud, uh, the vapor trail mm -hmm. at the end of the rocket expanding in the near vacuum of basically space. And because it's so high up and because it was the setting sun, it caught it in this really huge. Uh, plume that made a, a spectacular light show that you could see. I could see it all the way down in San Diego when I was visiting, visiting my parents back when they lived there. And so you could see it from Vandenberg down to San Diego. And apparently it caused a couple of fender benders here in Los Angeles because everybody was like, what the hell is that? The aliens are coming. Uh, yeah. Similarly, everyone in Australia it thought was dramatic that, like, looking. It was. Uh, but everyone in Australia thought that a black hole was approaching them because it was this really crazy like spiral armed pattern uh, flying through the night sky, uh, slowly moving toward them. Um, yeah, so fun. Yeah, it's it's amazing what you can do and make. You can basically make rockets look like aliens anytime you want. Uh, whenever anything goes wrong. <laughs> yeah, when when that happened, and I remembered seeing it, <laughs> uh, I went, "Well, either the aliens are coming, or uh, James Cameron is about to get a massive lawsuit." <laughs> 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 because LA baby I was like oh boy someone just John Landis something <laughs> yeah nope that was uh, purely an actual launch of a, a satellite mission I believe it was an Air Force satellite um, I mm -hmm. don't remember specifically but not very many people want to buy that particular polar orbit that's accessible out of Vandenberg um, so probably the Air Force would be my guess um, but yeah, it, it, it was, uh, it was a truly spectacular launch cause it just happened to be at the right time of the evening, the early, early evening, just as the sun was setting. So there was no more distractions in the sky. Cause if it happens earlier in the day, you just can't, you don't see it. Like it's exactly the exact same mm -hmm. thing is happening. You just can't see it because it's not against a dark backdrop. So, mm -hmm. uh, those, those kinds of launches are pretty spectacular. I think I do remember people being like, why didn't they tell us about it? It's like, well, it was, there, there were press releases. Was, nobody cared because nobody did. expected yeah. to see anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those things happen. 
Um, but yeah, I think that's enough anecdotes of space for now. <laughs> no, because you see, space is space is big. It's really, 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 really big. You just wouldn't believe how incredibly, absolutely, hugely big space is. This is right, true. That's enough of my hitchhikers. Okay. <laughs> It does. It's a. It, it's a great thing to freak people out about. If you, you might uh, think it's a long walk from here to the pub to get a bag of chips, but space is really much bigger than that. Yes. Okay. So anyway, the expanse, <laughs> <laughs> which is in reference to the size of space, can I just point out to keep us on it, theme it, here? It, it <laughs> is. It is absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's that's absolutely <laughs> what it is. Um, okay, speaking of the expanse, uh, which is in reference to the size of space, it is expansive, as it were. Um, <laughs> I don't remember which clip we ended on last time. Uh, uh, the end of life for uh, what's oh, his face for Dresden. Dresden for Dresden. Yeah, that's okay. where uh, uh, Dresden God got. That is where we have ended. That's right. Josephus Miller uh, got his vengeance upon. That absolute massive asshole that was Dresden. Uh, He made a unilateral executive decision. (laughs) (laughs) That's one way to put it. Um, (laughs) So, yeah. uh, So that happened. Um, And then uh, there were a a couple of things that fell out from that decision. It was, as you said, it was a unilateral decision. And sometimes unilateral decisions have some consequences. So uh, I think actually... Ooh, that's I believe that's actually the fallout clip. That's right where we right where we pick up. But there's also there's another clip before that. Uh yeah. Um that is uh I believe the fallout from the destruction of Demos. Yeah. Uh, oh, which wait. was the uh proportional response that uh Avasarala uh yeah. gave to Aaron Wright, which that uh made Admiral Souther resign. And basically call Avasarala an extremely horrible person That's when right. she allowed him to speak honestly. And, I mean, the whole point of it from Avasarala's perspective is we weren't getting out of that meeting yeah. without something blowing up. And yeah. so I chose the thing of fewest casualties, least escalation. That's the best I can get. Yeah. Yeah. And that so before, is what they did. But before we go to that, let's uh, let's touch back with what happens with uh with miller and uh, the crew of the rosinante uh following the uh unilateral executive decision that we've been speaking about let's go you love killing deltas diogo diogo hey get these men to hold him under guard miller too leave him here hey i don't want him anywhere near the prisoners he won't be now get these people to hold them shooting those man Without any further harm, we clear. You shouldn't even be on this station. Hey, hey, there's something you need to get off your chest there. Get damn right. Stop! Stop here. Well done. Come on. He's had a tough day. Dozens of ships leave here every day. Pick one, and I'll get you on it. It's time for you to go. I have my gun back. Q. 
can I have my gun back? Um, <laughs> and in that clip, we saw one more fuck die for one James Holden. <laughs> he is almost fresh out. <laughs> almost, almost. He's not quite there yet. Uh, yeah. But he's he's running out pretty quick. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, uh, it, it's very telling of like the, 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 the power structures at play, like, it's it's definitely a you know a might makes right kind of situation going on right now, uh, and when it comes down to it, Miller, as we said, made a unilateral decision to to end uh, Dresden's life, and as a result of that, he found himself on the outs with no family, and no crew, and no colleagues of any kind to back him up. Which I mean, that's kind of just how he rolls all the time, but still, Belters uh, like him better. True, the Belters do like him better, and we'll we'll see uh, we'll see exactly what's going on with that in a minute. Um, but uh, speaking back on the war room back at the UN, uh, the I believe that this is probably one of the more prescient moments <laughs> of what's going on there. Uh, so yeah, do we want to just jump right into that, or Squirrel, you got anything you want to Yeah, let's in? do that. No, cool. let's uh, let's just jump in. Here we go. 17 people in the station were killed instantly. The massive explosions shattered the moon, and the resulting orbital debris has forced planet-wide flight restrictions that will remain in effect. As Congress convened an emergency session, Defense Minister Korshinov denounced the sneak attack as a large and cowardly act by her. They ruined our goddamn sky. Take a load off your heavy bones. There's no way this goes anywhere but war. I always knew Earth would strike first. Right, Arthur? What do you call me? Oh, you heard me. Not today! You hear me, soldier? I will not have you disrespecting a fellow Martian. He's got as much dust in his blood as the rest of us. Marines, who do we fight for? Mars! Who do we fight for? Mars! Suit up. We need to train. War is coming. Yep. Yep. Now <laughs> and Bobby couldn't be happier. Let's no. be real. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, when I when I heard that clip, actually, I think we might have played that one last week. Maybe we didn't. I don't remember. Um, but the uh, when I hear them talking about the dust in their blood, all I can think about is microplastics and how yeah. our blood is full of them. Uh, <laughs> uh, everything is terrible. <laughs> I just, there was a what was it? It was an article that I saw this morning uh, that was about them studying the remains of fish that have been preserved in, in uh, museum collections over the last you know hundred years or whatever, and they've examined the guts of these fish to to see what kind of a, a you know a preponderance of microplastics they they have in them, and they've basically plotted it down to be like oh yeah back in the 1950s that's when we started seeing the introduction of microplastics into the bellies of these fish and. Uh, we now can no longer have controlled studies because literally every person on the planet Earth has microplastics in their bloodstream. So we don't actually know exactly what these things do because there is no such thing as a controlled study of people who are immune or rather who are unexposed. Uh, so there well, can't it's, be a it, control group. It's also like why it's hard to forge art nowadays. Like if you're trying to forge anything pre-World War II, it's basically impossible because yep. – everything on planet earth is irradiated so yeah you just check the you check the the paint for cesium and if it has cesium then that means it was manufactured after we started testing a lot of nuclear bombs 
It's funny. And there's also apparently a thing with, um, I believe it's steel for highly sensitive radio, like radioisotope experiments. They actually have to go down and, and cut the steel out of like World War II battleship wreckage because the steel is so thick and it's, you know, just been sitting down there for so long. It was the only, it's the only steel that was forged prior to the splitting of the atom. So it's the only steel that is not contaminated with radioactive uh, fallout of even the most minute degree. So until we start mining uh, asteroids and producing steel in space, uh, which would have its own uh, radioactive contamination, I am sure, uh, this is all we got. So it's just, it's weird how we've managed to pollute so many things so badly. And I am wearing a shirt uh, reminding us of just how fucked all that is. Uh-huh. I mean, ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, that's why The Expanse is an optimistic show because yeah. it, it assumes that we make it through this. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah we got there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just had to build a seawall around Manhattan and, uh, you know, another one around the base of the uh, Lady Lady Liberty. You know, you know, she's up to her knees in the, in, in the Hudson. Um, but, or the East river, I don't know the difference. Um, not an East coaster. Uh, but yeah, so that, that's, that's, that's fun and bleak. Um, (laughs) but speaking of bleak outlooks on the current circumstances, we, we can now tune in to see what is going on with, uh, Mr. Miller and his current situation. He, he's losing one family and finding himself with a new family, um, <laughs> a new family that is not necessarily his cup of tea, but yeah, uh, <laughs> he's your cup of tea. <laughs> well, he's well, my this cup is tea. this one's. Well, this is this is um, first him and and Amos talking. That's true. Uh, that's true. And, and him kind of figuring out what he's where he stands with the crew of the yep. Rocinante and and what his options are from here. Yep, that's true. That's yeah. We haven't gotten to the the new family yet. Here we go. <laughs> Captain Naomi dropped a few cancer med charges in there for you. Hey, you want to snort? Who calls a shot? Free booze, free booze. Tina. I've heard that. Really? Well, hey, let me keep the bottle. Savor the trip. It's a noir thing. Here's how. <laughs> so I'm dipped in shit right now. Oh no. This shit is permanent. Kevin doesn't want you around anymore. We don't want you around either. That's two shots. For what it's worth, I get it. He killed your girl and you shot him. Just the guy I needed to go down. Captain always gets a little jumpy when you kill people without talking it over first. Yeah, I'm sure you would have asked for permission, too. Well, here's the thing. You and me, we're a lot alike. We've been around. the third shot. But the captain, well, he's as close to righteous as it gets out here. So when you says you're out, that's just how it is. Because the way I figure it, he's probably right. Chris, that was a better chance of being right than I do. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and then he bounces. <laughs> you keep picking fights with the wrong people. 
keep picking fights with the wrong people. Yep. It's kind of the story of Miller's Good advice. Life. Yeah, it yeah. really is. <laughs> but, I mean, Amos is... It's just so strange watching his evolution because he's like right now at that point to where he goes, I know what empathy is, but I don't have it. And I'm trying to have it. (laughs) And it's just it's an ongoing process. (laughs) And now he just goes, well, listen, I don't have it, but I know that he does. So I'm going to go with him because clearly your way isn't working. (laughs) It's just that very pragmatic, matter-of-fact way of just going, I should probably care about people, because apparently the good people I like, that's what they do, so I should probably do that. Yeah. You know, at least he has the ability to recognize it and respect it, uh, even if he can't mm-hmm. emulate it. Um, so that's that's kind of nice. So where, where, are we, where are we going from here? Uh, if I recall correctly, uh, we have Naomi. Yeah, because, uh, like, uh, uh, fuck, what's their name? Uh, Holden and Naomi don't really see eye to eye on this, right? No. They do not. Yeah. I mean, she's right. Yeah, let's just get into it. Yeah. He shot an unarmed man right in the head. An unarmed mass murderer. Ding. Yeah. <laughs> Are you defending him? You can't understand. The only thing he was out for was revenge. No, he cared about all of us. We had Dresden. He was going to talk. We could have used him. We could have what? Worked out a deal. With a man who casually murdered countless belters. A man who was a threat to all human life. And that is why Miller shot him. He didn't have the right to make that decision. But you do. What I have to do now is clean up his mess. I mean, fair, but she's still right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, that's where we, you know, we go back to, as we have been, Operation Paperclip, which (laughs) we made a different choice. Boy, did we make a different Uh, choice. U.S. history is, man, we, I mean, to be fair, also, what was it? JFK's dad was a Nazi sympathizer. Henry Ford was a Nazi sympathizer. Actually, no, I think they were both just straight up Nazis. Um What's his name? Uh, the guy that flew across across the Atlantic, whose name is Lindbergh. Lindbergh, yeah. yeah, straight up and Nazi. Then, well, there, well, there's also there's the father uh, Coughlin, um, who actually got his uh, radio start from like America's kind of first Trump, who was a doctor who got his start by implanting goat testicles in oh, men yeah. to clear impotence. Yeah, and it was, yeah, um, you know, America was on that tip for a very very long time. All right, I'm back. That yeah. was a moment, but I'm back. <laughs> uh, time is a flat circle, Logan. Time <laughs> is a flat circle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing has really changed. But uh, one of us. So uh, that family that you know, that family that Miller is searching for. Uh, I mean, I don't really know how else to introduce this other than to say uh, he's not exactly thrilled with what happens, and Logan. Absolutely is. Nice. I'm a little busy here. Hey, you killed the biggest dick in the universe, but I'm not. I'll make a big party for you. You're a hero, man. No, don't say that. Hey, don't 
don't say that. You want to space out them prisoners too, but the big man say no. Uh, that's a, I'm just just a cop, a cop, a guy. That bottle. Who used to be a cop. There's not much left of that bottle. No. Hey, got tapped out. <laughs> that's my tip. Time to go home. Okay, okay. Where's the house? I like you. Mm, you wouldn't know what to do. You're gonna need that zap for your heart after Diogo. <laughs> oh, hey, Pampa, your lady put you out. Yeah. It's so bad. Come on again. So what? Huh? Go to hotel. Maybe. Oh, shit, Mila, you ain't got no script. Huh? Don't worry, you sleep on the dock? Oh, yeah. Sure. Sure. Ah, come, come. You stay with me. Yeah. You want a bus now? No, no, no. <laughs> Deep in his heart, he always wanted to be a belter. Now he is. Drunk, no money, and crashing at someone's apartment. That's the belter way. That's just how that goes. Uh, after, you know, mild sexual harassment there of the uh, of the bartender. Oh, smooth one, Diogo. You creepy little fuck. He has no idea how to deal with people. No, he's terrible. Absolutely terrible yes, at this. <sighs> but yeah, it, it, it's uh, I do love the the half-hearted attempt to try to walk in the other direction uh, when he realizes what's happening and uh, him just not being sober enough to be able to make it that way on his own and just you know having to give in and, and go with uh, Diogo. And I don't know that we've actually ever been introduced to who the beardy dude was. No, um, he's yeah. Like, we, he's, I mean, around, around. Kinda like, yeah, kind of like the Tormund of of that group, where <laughs> it takes a little while before you really know who he is. But you don't. But like, he's. But just you don't ever know. There. Yeah, yeah. he's kind of there, and like he's been around for a while, but he doesn't really make a huge impression. Um, other yeah. than being like the sidekick to the sidekick, I guess. But hey, Belters are feeling good. Like they have they are. had some really horrible shit happened to them and for once they finally got to get up and do something and now yeah. you know they're riding that high they're going hey we punched them right back in the mouth we're feeling good well but now uh so we we turn to uh, a man who is sort of like for the rest of the series he'll always kind of be there in the background but never mm -hmm. really be like a main character but paulo cortazar uh, and we find out what's going on with him, how, like, he and the other scientists uh, involved in the this protogen project or the protomolecule project were able to uh, see all of that, uh, see what was happening and not really care that they were able to allow Eros to be consumed by the protomolecule just for the experimental uh, data of it. Because, like, most people hopefully couldn't really do that. Now the, the Stanford prison experiment might, might want to disagree, but it seems like Cortazar is, uh, he's a little bit off. So let's, let's talk about that because James Holden really wants to like talk to Cortazar and, and thinks that Cortazar can be empathized with. And that does not, that does not go as planned. It's different on Eros. There's real pain and death. You're free now to do the right thing. Dresden is gone. You don't have to answer to him anymore. If he were here, I'd thank him. He made me what I am today. 
Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's when you, that's when you start realizing things are not these are not necessarily uh well they they were volunteers and they are committed in a way that is actually literally unnatural. Yeah. Well, they're also like we we didn't have the part I I didn't cut it, but the part where he asks, you know, they say Dresden's dead and he's like, "Oh, are you in charge of the project now?" cuz that's the <laughs> yeah. only thing the Palad Cortazar cares about, which Continuing to an extent war. I kind of I kind of understand because like this is the first extraterrestrial thing ever like this is the first proof of life intelligent life outside of our own solar system um and is a level of technology literal light years beyond anything that humanity could achieve or even even dream and think of um so you know cortazar is just he really cares about the project like he's he's really he's really about the project his Hinge profile is just, are you in charge of the project now? <laughs> it's it's actually kind of funny because uh, his his obsession with the project is similar to other people's obsession um, with the work uh, that we'll see in uh, in season three when we get there, which uh, mm -hmm. you know that's very much foreshadowing for later on. Um, but yeah, the continuation, the work must continue, continue the work. Um, yeah. Oh god, that's a creepy fucking scene. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 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 oh. That I mean, cheers to the producers and showrunners on this for creating some truly like indelible memories, right? Like when I say which scene I'm talking about, you know exactly which scene I'm talking about, don't you, Logan? Like Yeah. 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 It, it, it's just it's seared into your retinas of like, oh, Oh, oh God! That's what happened. Uh, also, uh, anyway, let's get, get back on topic. Get back on topic. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so, so now we're gonna we're gonna see what's happening. Yeah. Not really on arrows, but we get a little clue about something that's happening, and also True. the ingenuity and creativity of Belters, because this is actually it's kind of cool. It is kind of cool. Also, uh, dorm rooms don't change. FYI. No. Oh, is it gonna play? Did I click the wrong? I clicked the wrong. Can you please turn this shit up? This is the new banger, fresh out of Eros. No music coming out of Eros. We make it here, but it come from there. What do you mean? What are you talking about? Rock talking, Papa. It's sync. You're telling me that. Those sounds are coming off the arrows. Hottest beats maker on Tycho. Mad OBA pirate too. She jacked a cryptid data stream off the station we kill, but it come from arrows. Turn it off. It's so offbeat. He doesn't need rhythm. He's immortal. <laughs> belters you're jamming to? Invincible dead. me. We're dying. Or worse. That's why it's our anthem, Pampa. A call to war. Oh, yeah. I'm going to war now. Hmm? Everyone's going to war. Earth, Mars, Belt. Never even know what you were fighting for. You killed that guy. What you What's fighting for? What's going on in the background? <sighs> cut off one head. Only more where he came from. So we cut off all the heads. 
rule the whole system. System rules you, kid. Always has. Even more reason I choose to fight. You don't choose anything. You're born into it, man. One side or the other. You play it out. You know, in those inners, you figure out what's on arrows. They kill every last one of us to get it. Us? Belters. But what's this? Obviously, that was a uh, hallucination or apparition, of course, of some kind, of some because just the yeah, way we cut it. Well, it, it does, but that that also like as you get farther into it, you kind of wonder: is that just all in his head? Right. Um, yeah, well, as we, but that that's a story for another time. No, no, no. It's all in his head. It's just: did it come from his head, or was it put there by something else? Yep. Yeah, fair enough, fair Cut enough. <laughs> uh, we'll get yeah. there. Definitely in his head. <laughs> but so let's uh, let's talk real quick about, because that one we don't want to give away too many spoilers, you know. Yeah. Um, well, and and a, lot ha- a lot happened in that dorm room, like really. Yes. Well, <laughs> because... first off, I'm glad to see that the lad mags haven't changed in like 400 years. Like, <laughs> You can still get you can still get softcore centerfolds in revealing bikinis uh, on Tycho Station. So that's you know, there's some continuity of human civilization from the Bronze Age, where I assume they were also uh, printing those sort of things all the way to Tycho Station. I mean, I mean, or or and this is also potentially likely Diogo just printed out just some glossy JPEGs (laughs) and and just (laughs) them everywhere. (laughs) I I reject the uh the assertion that Diogo would pirate any NFTs. I think he is an upstanding young man who would pay full price for those images. Did you did you saw that story about the NFT that they had to pull down because they're just like, oh wait, this person doesn't have the rights to sell this, right? Yeah. I mean was, I still like I forget what the painting was. <laughs> no, it was like a scribble from a, a well known artist that was being oh, sold yeah. by just some random third person who was just like, fuck it. I'm gonna make a. I'm gonna make an NFT out of this, and some dumbass is gonna pay me millions yep. of dollars to you know own the 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 rights to what? NFTs are such bullshit. I mean, so to 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 uh, kind of tie that one off, and then talk a little bit more about what was going on in the dorm room. Uh, back when Dali died, uh, a few years after that, the the yeah. market for Dali's crashed because it turned out before Dali died. He just signed a bunch of pieces of paper and a bunch of canvases. And so when an artist signs something, that makes it their work. So people were getting their hands on these pieces of paper signed by Dali and then putting whatever the fuck they wanted on it, which it was technically a Dali. It was signed by him. So 
when people realized that Dolly had pulled a fast one on the art market, uh, the price of Dolly's cratered for a while while they tried to figure out what is an actual Dolly drawn by Salvador Dolly and what is just something with him fucking with us. So now that's some king shit right there. Yeah, that's exactly. that's how I want to go. Absolute <laughs> masterclass trolling. I go. <laughs> <laughs> Astounding. Wow. But uh, the the. The act of taking the radio signals from Eros, which yeah. has the voices of those who died, however those voices are being transmitted, we'll get to, but obviously it's some protomolecule shit, shit. But to take that and then, of course, it's the Belter way. You got to remix it into a club banger. And then yeah. there's your anthem. Go to war with some club bangers, you know, filled with the voices of the people that you know died. And and sure. I gotta say, we, this isn't this isn't just playing in Diogo's dorm room. We didn't cut the clips for it, but when uh, Naomi and um, uh, oh crap, what's her name? Drama, drama, drama. When they go out, uh, kind of clubbing because Drama's got a little bit of a, a crush on uh, on Naomi. Uh, when they're at the club. Yeah, when they're at the club, gets what's blasting through, through the speakers. Yep. Yeah. No, it's, it's uh, now. It's it's those it's those hot beats. Uh, I mean, it's if it's not exactly the same song, it's definitely of the same uh, yeah. genre for the for the, at yeah. the very least. But also, uh, shout out to the fact that the hottest beats maker on Tycho is a woman. So that's yes, kind of cool. That is. Uh, it, 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 it's uh, it's refreshing to see that Diogo has absolutely no issues with that, despite the fact that his walls are completely plastered in nearly naked women uh, in lingerie and six-inch heels. So, uh, on that note, I think we're uh, ready to dive on into talking a little bit about some more information around what's going on with Cortazar and the other, the other folks who were employed uh, on this project. Like, what's their backstory? What's been going on here? Who is the puppet master that's pulling all these strings? Because uh, the threads are quickly coming unraveled, and, and, and you know Fred mm-hmm. Johnson and the crew of the Rocinante are going to figure this shit out one way or another in the very near future. So here we go. Well, he wasn't born this way. He was altered, probably transcranial magnetic hyperstimulation. Part of his temporal lobe has been effectively erased. Which part? The part that governs empathy. You can do that with a magnet. I've only read about the procedure. It's not that simple, but it's not complicated either. It's non-invasive. So someone waves a magnet at the right side of my head and suddenly I can watch 100,000 people die in agony and not give a shit. I've checked the other prisoners. It's been done to all of them. Security guards on that station were armed with riot bullets, probably to keep them from murdering each other. Well, he's not a homicidal maniac. He just no longer has the capacity to consider any life other than his own meaningful. Is his... Condition reversible? I'm afraid not. How do you reach a guy like that? You send in Amos. And well, the, Amos the worry kind of teases it out. Yeah, yeah. And, and also the worry in Amos's voice because he knows there is something wrong with him mentally, and he's going, "Oh, well, if they can fix that, they, then maybe they can fix whatever the hell's going on in here." And maybe I won't be so dangerous to everybody because I'm kind of tired of everyone being scared of me all the goddamn time. And so it's like uh, the way that he looks at Cortazar, it's just very much a 
I know what this is like. I know where this is coming from. I know I have seen this so many times before in my life, and it scares the shit out of me that I identify with it even a little bit. Yep. Yep. Cool. So let's uh, let's let's beam back to Earth real quick before we get to more more Cortazar yeah. stuff because we do come back to him. Uh, but Avasarala is kind of crossing the Rubicon here uh, and finally uh, reaching out to Fred Johnson because she's determined that that's the only option that she has to try and avert this uh, inter well not intergalactic but intrasolar war that's brewing between Mars and Earth that everyone uh, in the UN seems uh, hell bent on starting and. Uh, Seems like a really seems like a bad idea to have half of humanity fighting the other half of humanity. It doesn't generally tend to work out very well. Man, so <laughs> fucking Kissinger. Like this is this is one hundred percent some Kissinger level bullshit going on. Fucking uh, <laughs> here we go. So Avasarala sends a text that does a treason. I'm Christian you don't know who she is. Those words were lies. A facade to protect myself. Because you were right. There are people in my government who are willing to take us to the brink of annihilation for reasons that I still cannot fathom. But like you, I want to stop this war. So now, I'm asking you for help. I need evidence. Anything I can use to turn the guns of Earth and Mars away from each other before it's too late. If you have any cards left in your hand, the time to play them is now. I never thought I'd see the day. She's so good. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, with Fred Johnson, you know, having been, you know, a relatively high-ranked officer in yeah, Earth's military. He was a colonel. Yeah. yeah. Like, he knows who Avasarala is and what she's about on a pretty deep level. So getting that must have been quite a moment for him. Yeah, just think, yeah. you could have you gotten a text from, uh, you could have gotten a text from Trump directly at you, Logan. How would that have, how would that have gone down? <laughs> uh, I would not be in this country anymore. <laughs> that, that, that's a pack your shit you're leaving moment. <laughs> Heading down to Mexico. Yeah. You can drive. You'll be there in a few hours. <laughs> Get the dogs, baby. We're driving. <laughs> Start up life as a, uh, a surfer beach bum. Yeah, I could see yeah. that happening. I could see that happening. But <sighs> we're really getting a sense of how desperate Avasarala is because, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this. there's no going back from this. If you are caught with this and you're wrong... On on what you think is about to happen and even what you need to wrong. happen doesn't. Even if you're not wrong, if word of that yeah. message gets out, exactly. she's cooked one way or another. It doesn't it doesn't matter what comes out of it. The fact that she reached out and sent that message is treasonous as far as the yeah. UN is concerned. So, yeah, this is a massive swing. Yeah, she's. I mean, she's doing it to protect and save Earth and Luna, but. You know, uh, let's just uh, the guy above her, and you know, at the, the the two guys above her. I guess uh, is Aaron right above her? Yes. He's he's. Uh, it feels it feels like it's more of a lateral situation, but regardless, the the Secretary General of the United Nations is, shall we say, not exactly the um, uh, sharpest knife in the drawer, the shiniest marble in the bag. Um, yeah. I don't know any any of those analogies and and cliches. 
to go with it. He's a fucking idiot. Um, and uh, both Aaron Wright and Alasarala are much more aware of what the hell's going on than he is. Uh, and he's very easily manipulated. So if he were to find out, you know, if he were to see that message and hear her talking directly to Fred Johnson, she'd be cooked one way or another. Like, yeah. There's no, no two ways about it. So extremely dangerous. She's definitely at her wits end on these things. And, uh, it, 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 it's a, it's a bold, it's a bold move. Let's see how it plays out. But before that, let's go back to some protogen, uh, uh, well, more more specifically, Cortazar, uh, to t- to learn a little bit about what is going on with this proto molecule and what's what's the big uh, hullabaloo all about? Why why are yeah. they doing these things that they're doing? So here we go. You infected them and watched them die. We watched it work. The proto molecule is the first evidence of a tree of life apart from our own didn't come with an instruction manual. Tree of life. We nurtured it the best way we knew how. But Phoebe wasn't enough for you. We didn't control the station, so we incinerated the Martians, erased the data cores, and left. Dr. Dresden used two ships, one for our team, one for the sample. There were contamination concerns. He was right to be concerned. It got out on the Anubis. I saw the results. You did? What did it do? Killed everyone aboard. Obviously. But then what? And be specific, please. Tell him about the reactor. The power was shut down when we arrived. The protomolecule was frozen around the reactor core. Oh, starving. Did you turn the power back on? Mm-hmm. Started moving, reaching out to me. Is there anything more that I could see? We nuked the ship and everything on it. <sighs> but still going strong on Eros. Were you there too? Mm-hmm. It learns, you know. It does something different every time. The more biomass you feed it, the faster it learns, the more it changes. So you fed it, Eros. A whole station, a hundred thousand people. A hundred thousand opportunities. We can only learn by letting it learn. Can it be controlled? That's what we were trying to do. Can you control it? I need my data and everything coming off arrows. That's the only way I can tell you more. He didn't answer the question. No. The the clip I uh, took out just because of time uh, was how they got to this conversation, and yeah. Amos, you know, explained it to Holden of, you know, it. You ever met a pedophile? And Holden's like, no. I think it was more, you ever spoken with a pedophile? Yeah, something along those lines. Have you ever had a conversation with a pedophile about pedophilia? Like, Yeah. yeah. And and Amos was like, if you ask them if they are a pedophile, they will say no. But if you show them a child, they can't shut the fuck up about it. And so that conversation to get Cortazar to talk is just show him what's happening and he won't be able to shut up. And... Now we learn that the protomolecule is way more dangerous than maybe even us, the audience, quite understood. At this point, yeah. for sure, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, it's also, like, it kind of goes into um, the the particular personality traits that Dresden was looking for. Like, yeah. 
that you know they're they're not looking for people who are in the mainstream like they're not just looking for regular people with normal happy lives that are interested in like learning about alien technology you know they're looking for people on the extremes and the fringes and people who are kind of past human society and people who are kind of like out of empathy you know Cortazar kind of burned through his empathy watching his mother die in a terrible horrible no good very bad way and that sort of like turned him off to giving a flying fuck about people in general you know how Batman chooses his Robins yes exactly exactly <laughs> oh god but so what we what our what our protagonists know now, at least on Tycho Station, nobody else yeah. in the system knows this. Uh, but the proto molecule is building something, and nobody knows what it is. All they know is it's alien. It's far beyond our technology. It's probably a threat to us. It seems like anything that's going to repurpose life is probably a threat to us or whatever life it encounters. It's been here for a lot longer than humanity's been here. I think they said at one point that Phoebe was captured hundreds of millions, if not like more than a billion years ago. And yeah. I think that timeline, it has to be a, a couple of hundred million. But um, now you have this massive asteroid that may be turning into like some, you know, uh, uh, Mars attack space weapon. Uh, so what the fuck do you do? Like, how do you... How do you get rid of that danger? And uh, Miller has a really good plan. He does. And it's also conveniently a good way to earn his way back into the good graces of literally everybody because nobody else can figure out what the fuck to do because everybody is freaking out. How exactly Miller figures out what's going on on Phoebe is, you know, it, it, he's not told directly. He basically susses it well, out on should. his own, right? What we should do is we should talk a little bit about what the Nabu is, because oh, the Nabu okay. is a particular project um, yeah. <laughs> of the Church of Latter-day Saints, a.k.a. the Mormons, uh, who Mormons in, this, in, space. in this future are still incredibly wealthy, it turns out, um, which, not a surprise, the Mormon church no. has always been very good with money. At one point, they owned Taco Bell and Pepsi. Um, so even yeah. though Mormons what? aren't allowed to drink caffeine and gave us things like RC Cola, which doesn't have caffeine in it, uh, they also were selling you Mountain Dew. Now they no longer hold; uh, they're no longer a main shareholder in Yum Brands, which is uh, the corporation that owns Taco Bell and stuff. But they're they're a very wealthy church. They're stashing billions and billions and billions of dollars for the flock. Um, this gets more extremes in some places. Like if you go to Colorado City, Arizona, which is the kind of hotbed of polygamist Mormons oh, yeah. in in uh, yeah. America, what happens there is a man will have one wife, right? But then a couple of years later, when he gets some more seniority, he's kind of given another younger wife because polygamy is okay. Well, here's the problem. You can't, on the record, with the IRS or the federal government or even the state government in Arizona or Colorado, because Colorado City kind of straddles the border between Colorado and Arizona, you can't have multiple wives. Like, it's not legal. So when that second wife starts having kids and third and fourth, and some men have like five or six wives, but... When those additional wives start having kids, they become unwed mothers, which means that they qualify for welfare payments from the federal government. And so the Mormons, at least the more extreme fringes of the Mormons, call this bleeding the beast, that basically the federal government is uh, Babylon and needs to be bled of its financial resources. And that's sort of like, in a less toxic way a lot of the way the mormon church looks at the way that it deals with the economy and the government and it's sort of stashing resources to protect itself and its members uh what they took all that money and did with it is build a generation ship 
Um, and explain, Chris, what a generation ship is. And like well, the the thumbnail we're using today is obviously the inside of this that Miller's looking at, where the, yeah. these Mormons will live for a very long time, I guess. So we'll we'll get to that. But I wanted to quickly quickly clarify something. Uh, Colorado and Arizona have like a single point of border, right at yeah. four corners. So oh no, I'm sorry. It's uh, it's I'm sorry. It's Utah, not Colorado. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Uh, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> which Utah having issues with polygamy? Wow. Hmm. Anyway, um, a generation I mean, ship. Just say these these Mormons are so extreme they left Utah. So yeah. <laughs> they also apparently have a bit of a stranglehold over all of the construction business in the city. Um, they they used to. They now they've they've had a couple of racketeering uh, investigations and oh, other shit like that. Some some Rico investigations. Just, yeah. Well, it's also like child labor. Like they literally just use their kids to like run heavy equipment. Well, what they also do is they uh, if you're not a Mormon, they short you on building materials. So they ah. they give you substandard concrete. They pack stuff less dense than they say they're going to. They don't Holy build up to standards fuck. because if you are not a Mormon, they don't really give a fuck about you. You're not you're not a member of the tribe, as it were. It's some dark shit. Like, if you ever want to drive through Colorado City, like, people, when they see somebody who doesn't live there driving through town, they kind of close doors and look at you weird. And I know guys who back in the day, like, were trying to do some writing for uh, the, the New Times back in the, like, late 80s, early 90s. And one of them claims to have been followed out of town by two pickup trucks filled with men with shotguns. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, okay, well, uh, on that note, a generational ship is exactly what it sounds like. Um, it's basically, it's a ship that's designed to last, uh, well, to fly through space for uh, literally generations, so hundreds of years. So the idea is that, you know, to get from one star to the next, and then to then find a planet around another star uh, that is suitable for you to, well, in this case... They don't, they don't expect to have to do anything to, to colonize it. They expect to get there uh, because it is a, a, a prophecy, correct? Uh, and yeah. when they get there, it will basically be uh, the equivalent of like the Garden of Eden, right? So it should be... Well, in, in Mormon theology, um, or yeah, I'll call it theology because I don't want to insult an entire religion. Um, there are other words that I could use for theories of, of stuff like this. But in Mormon theology... <laughs> God isn't just like some ever-present cosmic being. God actually has a planet. Yeah. And he can be found in the universe. And if you're a good enough Mormon, you will ascend to his level. So that's another reason why you, as a Mormon man, are trying to have a lot of kids and stuff, is because when you ascend to that cosmic deity level, you get a planet of your own uh, that will be basically staffed by your family. So if you don't have a lot of kids you're not going to be able to run your planet very efficiently. Whereas if you have hundreds and hundreds of kids and thousands of grandchildren, then, well, you got, you got a starting of a society there and you get to be a God of your own. So there's some definitely some weird theological concepts here, but they're basically like shooting themselves out towards, I guess, Proxima Centauri. I, I it's not really clear, they but they're they looking for, they're looking for God. Yeah. But yeah. how long would it take to get to Proxima Centauri? Oh, we talked about this before. It would take a very long time. Um, like, if you were traveling at the speed that, like, a Voyager probe travels, uh, it would take a very, very, very long time. If you're traveling at the speed that the uh, Nauvoo is supposed to travel, they don't actually, like, really go into it. But the idea is that these drives... <laughs> it's been a long fucking day. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, um, I feel you. 
but the the drives that they're using to power the ship are clearly capable of uh, providing more than one g of acceleration. So they're able to get, um, you know, between planets here in the solar system pretty quickly. Although you you know it's a lot of mass and you got to flip over and fire the engines in the other direction to slow down. Um, in theory, you know the 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 Epstein drive does allow them to burn their engines for a very long time on a limited amount of fuel, but they do need to preserve enough fuel to then flip and turn over and, and burn uh, on the way closing in on their, on their final destination. Uh, so the big thing going on with the Nauvoo is that they know they're going to be flying for literally hundreds of years. Um, they don't specify exactly how many hundreds of years, but it's more than one lifetime. Like the, the people who set out on this, on this journey are not going to live to see the conclusion. Their, their children, probably yeah. will also not live to see the conclusion. So uh, if you're if you're one of those middle generation Mormons, tough shit, you have no choice but to remain uh, locked into this journey that your parents signed up for. Um, sucks to be you if you decide to lose your religion somewhere along the line. But yeah, I, I, I would say uh, just as a quick aside, I would I would pay good money to read the alternate history book about the Nauvoo actually doing its journey. And then that predictably going horribly, horribly wrong oh, as yeah. all of these the, people the are just stuck just on a dying generation <laughs> ship out in the out in interstellar space where there is shit nothing and it's just heart of darkness. Yeah, it, very much heart of darkness. That would be uh, truly an interesting uh, story to to read through. But so in in the uh, during this journey, right? So the 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 way that you're able to not like. Uh, get completely destroyed by space and like wounds are able to heal and everything else is the ships are burning the engines in one way, traveling in the other way. And that means that you're standing up with your feet facing toward the engine and your head pointing away. So your body experiences the, an acceleration equivalent to some fraction of gravity, whether that's full gravity or Martian gravity Marsh or moon lunar lunar gravity uh, somewhere in between, uh, or if you're like the Belters and you just kind of cruise around with no uh, you know they don't have any money they don't have any fuel therefore they don't continue to burn so they just kind of float all the time which is why they're all fucked up with uh, what happens with the life in zero g so you don't can't be us but us <laughs> you don't you don't you don't want to end up like that so you find another way and the way that you do that is you create spin gravity so if you remember movies like 2001 a space odyssey mm -hmm. uh which shockingly i still haven't watched i really need to sit down and do that one of these days um but in 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 that circumstance like you if you create a space station or in this case a large space ship and you create a spherical or a, a ring structure or in this case a gigantic cylinder structure uh they call it the drum you're able to spin that and create what is Effectively, through you know, centrifugal force, centripetal, centrifugal. I don't. Uh, it's the same shit as when you went on that ride at the carnival, right? Where yeah, yeah, yeah. it looks like a flying saucer and it starts to spin, and then everybody like suddenly they're flying up against the wall, and you're like, oh my god, this is so weird. It's the same idea, but by being this gigantic drum spinning in space, it creates the sensation of basically earth gravity all around the perimeter the part in the middle no such luck uh it makes for some very interesting like how do the electronics work 
uh, when it's transferring power between the two sections, but, you know, engineering yeah, details. But uh, basically what would happen is most people would spend most of their time in the drum uh, farming, doing whatever, because they literally have enough room in there that they can grow their own crops because they don't have the ability to bring enough food to survive for generations in space. Um, but, you know, with solar power and the radio, the, 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 um, the nuclear fusion going on with their generators, they can provide enough power to keep everything going and provide the food and fuel that they need to continue to survive. Um, and then the gravity that comes from that spin drive. So then, you know, some part of the crew is like continuing to monitor everything else that's going on. But most people are going to be hanging out in the drum, spinning around in a circle uh, in this weird, like fake earth thing that would actually yeah. be super cool to see the inside of um in real life like that would be a truly like trippy experience i actually you know what would be really fun would be to see this in like some vr goggles oh yeah run around like ah uh, that would be kind of cool so uh any of you game designers out there build us a uh, a navu to run around in like the vr and maybe i'll go buy a vr headset or something come on uh, nerds ah. come through for us <laughs> yeah <laughs> my people deliver yes but anyway um the point is, it's a really fucking big ship, and it's got really fucking powerful engines, and um, they've got a really fucking big rock that they need to deal with. So Miller does the math, and uh, yeah, he, he comes up with an interesting result. I take it this means you know where you want to go? Eros. What? Something real bad is going on down there. Yeah, we know. And you know we have to destroy it. I think you're right. I know that you know that Dresden was going to get away with it. And I didn't kill him because he's crazy. I killed him because he was making sense. Any idea how we can take out a whole asteroid? Yeah. With that. It's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> also, good job on the self haircut there, Miller. Like, yeah. having been in quarantine for the last year and having tried to do that to myself, not exactly, like, not full mohawk mohawk, it's not easy. It's not easy. Yeah, to I need do that. I need that little trimmer of his where it's like it's almost like a a, a massager, but it like it pulls I think the hair out. I think there's lasers involved, and it, it has like the ability to rotate or something. It's it's they yeah. don't really describe it, but there's uh they leave you to make some assumptions about it. But yeah, it's a cool haircut device. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, again, this does get back to kind of what I was saying last time, which was yeah, you know. Uh, Dresden was making sense. Like Dresden has, you know, he's not a complete mad scientist. He's not some loon that's just out there babbling nonsense. He's a very rational monster. You know, he, he didn't find the proto molecule and be like, oh man, I wonder what happens if we release this on arrow just for shits and giggles. Like he did it because he's like, well, we need to figure out what the fuck is going on here. Like there's this incredibly powerful technology we know nothing about. We've learned a little bit about it how do we keep pursuing that line of research? And so, you know, when I, I think Miller, you know, very correctly in my own view is like, yeah, 
he, he's making too much sense here, and we really shouldn't have this kind of technology, and humanity probably shouldn't control this thing. We, we should murk this motherfucker. Um, but now at least we've got a plan. Like, we got an idea of what yep. we're going to do to try and stop Eros, um, which I think, you know, that kind of sucks um, because I feel like the music's going to suffer for it. <laughs> I mean, it, it's going to be a blow to the art world, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Stock and band camp is gonna plummet. Oh no. <laughs> I wonder if I wonder if title's still around in the in that in this day and age. Oh <laughs> uh, Jay-Z just living on as an AI, like just milking all the money he oh, possibly no. can. No, no, no. He he sold his stake to Jack Dorsey for three hundred fifty million dollars today. Yeah. So Jack Dorsey's the, the fucking head in a jar in Futurama. Okay, I got you. I got yeah. you. But uh, but also, I was just I was trying to figure this out earlier today. Like, who the fuck still listens to the title? Like, I I don't think I've seen anybody mention title in in years. That's why it was such a funny joke. Is that nobody listens to title? Like, <laughs> it's a complete waste of money as far as an investment is concerned. Like from my perspective, anyway. Like, but also, what do I know? I'm just some nerd doing a podcast about the expanse. And Chris would, Chris would know. He owns so much Dogecoin. What? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Sorry, my it's, it was really hot today, folks. My brain is kind of fried now. But, <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm the one with some Dogecoin. That's up. <laughs> That's right. You bought some. I did when it was like four cents. Why the fuck not? Let's get weird. <laughs> there you go, man. You're you're up like five hundred percent now. Congrats. Yeah, I, I literally almost have five hundred bucks now. Hey, there you go. You've turned it into some actual money. Now uh, liquidate it and go, I don't know, buy some hard seltzer with it or something. I'm just going to donate it to the candidates. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> and hope but that let's, uh, let's, let's better. set up for our next episode because the next sure. one we're actually going to we're going to go back yeah. to doing two episodes. Uh, because the next couple of episodes are very action packed, but isn't going to require as much in-depth stuff yep. because it's fairly linear story that we're going to be telling. Um, but, you know, Earth uh, right now isn't really doing a whole lot. Earth is about to about to shit their collective pants, but they don't know that that's coming yet. They think that yeah. they're setting themselves up for a war that they're easily going to win. Uh, Admiral Souther is heading out to the Jovian fleet to, you know, start showing these Martians who knows more about the space fighting. Uh, Alva Sarala is getting ready to undermine her own government. And uh, James Holden is uh, just kind of doing James Holden's thing. He's just sort of, you know, a blind man in a room full of knives trying to figure out how to not get stabbed in the kidney. He's just What's a problem on? in a spacesuit. Yeah, let's, you know what? Since, since you've got a lot to cover, Logan, I'm going to go to Chris first. And Chris, yeah, yeah. What's, Mars, Mars has been kind of quiet, but they seem like they're getting more active. I mean, yeah, but like the uh, I believe that we've we've seen now that the Martians are are being sent out on farm patrol. Um, mm -hmm. They're not they're not going to go. You know, this particular batch of Martians, they're not going to be sent to the front lines. They're they're being sent out to go uh, guard the food supply, which, from a logistics perspective, makes a lot of sense. Like, you send this crack team of Martians out there to make sure that uh, you have a powerful piece in place. When, you know, if shit goes down, that's probably where shit is going to go down. Uh, and so you want to have the, that 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 powerful, uh, you know, chess piece in position at the time. But uh, by and large, the Martians are basically scrambling right now because one of their two uh, 
infinitesimally small moons just went boom and is now yeah. strewn across the sky as an even more infinitesimally small uh, cloud of little asteroid debris. Because, frankly, like, uh, Deimos and... Um, uh, fuck. Phobos? Phobos? Phobos, Phobos. and Deimos, yeah. yeah. Phobos and Deimos. Mm-hmm. Phobos and Deimos are... are effect- they're basically just asteroids that got trapped in the Martian gravity well. They You can't see them, really, like, from the surface of Mars. But they're there as like a representative, like it's a thing, like that's their moon. So uh, mm-hmm. they're taking more of an ego hit than an actual like uh, logistical hit of it, other than the fact that it created a giant, you know, debris cloud for them to deal with. But they're they're pissed. They're looking for a fight. They don't really know what's going on um, at all, or at least most of them don't know what's going on. Uh, some of them might know something about what's going on, but we're not going to find out about that for a long fucking time. Uh so I don't know. Most Martians have no fucking clue. Uh, just like most Earthers have no fucking clue. Uh, shit's about to get wild and everybody is just like going to be completely caught with their collective pants down. Yeah. Except the Belters. Yeah. Except the Belters. Belters are having a great time. <laughs> like, like, let's just be real. You know, out in series, you know, Anderson Dawes has consolidated his power. We haven't seen him in a while. So I assume that they're just listening to the latest club banger from Eros. And... Out in Tycho Station, you know, the factions are starting to unite because Black Sky got got spaced, got super spaced, and everyone went, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? Fred Johnson's got some interesting ideas. And hey, he does because they're doing shit. And that's the one thing that Belters love to do is to do shit and to not just be sitting around with talky talk. They want to go and get their wrenches or their guns, whatever. A tool's a tool. And they just go out and do shit and either build something cool like the Nauvoo or blow something up. And they've been able to do both under Fred Johnson, so they're feeling pretty happy right now. And it, they're about to get on a really massive mission. Yeah. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be really really interesting. Shit's going to go super super wacky in the cosmos. Uh, and uh, just to let you all know, it's a little bit of a scheduling update. It seems like next week is gonna be a no go because uh, I'm gonna be catching nine one one calls uh, from two p.m. What? until midnight tomorrow uh, next hey. week. Uh, so we'll have to That's see. Uh, yeah, a fun thing about my new job is I have zero control over my schedule at all. So we'll wow. just have to play it by ear for a bit. But we will uh, we will definitely keep you all updated. Yeah, no, they were they were very clear about that. They're like, we're just going to tell you when to work. And you just kind of have to show up when to work. And you're like, well, what's the worst that could happen? And they're like, well, like people could die. And you're like, oh, shit, that's right. Uh, could. Right. Jesus like this, when I worked in entertainment, I would always make this joke with like my coworkers when people would get upset. Like a producer would flip their shit when something goes like minorly wrong. I'm like, we're not a hospital. People aren't going to die or anything. It's fucking entertainment news. And uh, now I've gone the complete opposite direction. So kind of raises the stakes a little bit for showing up at your day job. Yep. <laughs> that it does. That it does. All right. Well, uh, Squirrel, we wish you the best of luck with that uh, that new gig officially starting up here. And uh, Yeah, congratulations. I, I, for one, will feel safer. Yeah, I got, to, I got to drive an ambulance yesterday. It was Hell fun. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, that does sound like fun. Um, all right. Well, we will uh, be back here, I guess, in two weeks, three weeks. We don't really know. We're going to figure it out. Uh, but we'll be back and uh, there will be more less less class war in space next week. Um, 
more like war war in space potentially ish it's complicated yeah, we'll see. We'll, it's we'll gonna get, get weird oh well, yeah it's gonna be weird but tune in with us uh in a couple of weeks it'll be fun uh we'll be right here twitch.tv slash ground game la uh we post this up but we're on periscope over on knock.la on twitter uh and surprisingly how is periscope not gone yet i thought that was supposed to go away last month but whatever jack dorsey you're weird he, yeah well he just got all that title money so <laughs> he spent all that title money yeah he spent all that title. <laughs> well anyway thank you very much everybody for tuning in uh we very much appreciate you being here with us and uh we'll see you next time uh until yeah. then uh stay safe out there my friends Spot, oh, geez, Later. As, as the sirens are all going off over my yeah. <laughs> see ya